Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. My name is Sean Phelan and each week I chat to the people who make the grassroots game happen. The players, the coaches and the volunteers. In the week that England returned to lockdown, our panel discussed the situation that grassroots rugby finds itself in with the cancellation of leagues and the effect that lockdown will have on its clubs and its players. But before we get to our discussion, our friends and supporters of the show, Rugby Store, are commemorating Remembrance Day by donating £20 to the Royal British Legion when you purchase a British Army shirt from rugbystore.co.uk. And what's more, you can get yourself 10% off that shirt and it won't affect the donation when you use the promo code FYBPOD at the checkout. So get a great shirt at a great price and Rugby Store will make a donation to a great cause. Use the promo code FYBPOD at the checkout. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. This is uh, episode 19 uh, that we've done so far and we normally talk to the great and the good of the grassroots game and today is no different. Um, so we've got uh, Gareth Tully from uh, Reading RFC, Jess Banyard from Huddersfield URFC and Dan Archer from New Ash Green RFC. How are we everybody? Very well, thank you. For yourself? Good, thanks, yeah. Yeah, I'm grand. Thank you. Uh, if you want to get involved in uh, the discussions tonight, and it's going to be very sort of uh, to- time topical. Uh, there's lots of things happened in the in the grassroots game over the last week, as well as the world and, and everything like that. But so, if you want to get any points in, any questions in that you want us to discuss or, or, or talk about, then please just put them in the comments, and we'll uh, we'll uh, get to as many as we can during during the next sort of forty minutes or so. Um, but obviously, as I just said, lots of things have happened in, in the last week, but we're going to go back a couple of months, I guess, post-lockdown one. Uh, Gareth, uh, tell us a bit about uh, Reading and, and sort of the last couple of months that you've had, uh, I guess, in pre-season training. Uh, yeah, so obviously, um, really disappointed about, uh, obviously, you know, ending the, the league season when it did. You know, the, we were, our first team were pushing for... Uh, promotion and and the second team had done really well as well. Uh, sort of coming out of that and obviously going through the stages, uh, I was obviously being very testing with uh, you know trying to making sure that social distancing is done. Obviously making sure all the all the guidelines of uh, being followed. But um, to be honest with you, the the players have engaged really well. Um, you know we still managed to train both Tuesday and Thursday nights. We were averaging sort of somewhere between. 50 on a bad night and 70 on a good night. Um, we'd started, obviously, when the touch rugby was, uh, the ready for rugby, sorry, was introduced, we started doing a an inter-squad touch tournament, which the boys have really enjoyed, you know, just getting that little bit of competitiveness into it. But um, obviously that stopped now. But yeah, I mean, considering, you know, we were in a decent place, but obviously, you know, the brakes have been put on now. Yeah, they certainly have. Uh, and Jess, uh, how has uh, Huddersfield life been at Huddersfield? 
Yeah, it's been good. So I was in an odd position because I've literally just moved. Uh, so I was at a club um, up the road, Huddersfield YMCA, and then I've moved down to Huddersfield. So we're trying to start up the women and girls teams there and build on okay. a really successful mini and juniors pathway. Um, and then I'm also doing some coach developer stuff and some coaching in the men's squad. So I was just getting to grips with the club and what their processes were and getting to know everybody. And we've sort of just gone into lockdown, which is a bit gutting. Um, but coaching in the stages before I moved, like, and, and having to use those constraints, I really felt I used them to my advantage and actually pushed me to be a bit more creative than I probably wouldn't have been otherwise during summer training. It probably would have looked a bit samey. Um, but I think the constraints of the stages certainly allowed me to use uh, my creative brain a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so how, how have you been creative? So I just think um, trying to get the players on board more and trying to have a few more discussions around the training and being a bit more open and honest. So we've gone, look, these are the stages we're working with. We're going to try some ideas. This is what we're going to do. Um, and being a bit more open, honest and vulnerable about my coaching practice um, and just not being afraid to just have a laugh and relax with it because we didn't know when the stages were going to end. We didn't know when we was going to get the E and F. So just not being afraid to have some fun and try some stuff, going to the players, this is new. Um, this game's brand new. We're going to try it like I've got a triangle game that then developed into parallelogram game. And I said to them, look, this is brand new. I, I dreamt of this like game in the shower, this touch game. It's like a mini little skill zone touch game. Like we're just going to have a bash with it and try it. And then went to some of the players a week later and went, this was my feedback on the game. I felt I designed it way too small um, and we need to go bigger. And, and what were your thoughts on it? And we had a really good chat about it. So just not being afraid to just be a bit more vulnerable with the players. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, and Dan, uh, welcome to the show. Um, how has life been at New Ash Green and uh, how was the summer, I guess? Initially, we found it massively challenging, but we, uh, we sort of created a, this, this player environment where it was, it was, uh, it was athlete led. They, they told us what they wanted to, uh, what they wanted to achieve if the season had happened. And we, uh, we sort of guided our, what we thought at the time would have been a pre-season or pre-pre-season, I suppose, um, to, to that. Um, so it, we created this this environment where all everybody was uh, attempting to to become a master at their uh, sort of own skills. They were uh, we weren't competing one against the other. We were we were competing on, with our previous selves, and that was a it was a really nice environment. Afterwards, in the uh, well, maybe not in the bar, but outside um, at the club, having a discussion that um, boys were. Uh, challenging each other to push themselves as opposed to racing against each other or or bettering um, or having that bit of competition. They were trying to beat themselves. So it's actually really quite nice as a coach and quite a nice environment to be involved in. Um, we did see numbers uh, after uh, after the lockdown. They, they were massive. We we sat on, for, for a small village team, we sat on 35 players turning up to training. Um, and then as, um, as it went on, um, we we sort of dropped down to between 27 and 30, but recently, since the cancellation of the uh, cancellation of the leagues, we um, we struggled with with having numbers because people didn't see see much of a point unless they were massively into their fitness, which was which is a bit, bit of a shame. So keeping those players engaged over this lockdown is going to be uh, going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. Um, so those, uh, if you don't know already, know uh, so the ready uh, the return to rugby roadmap was changed 
um, earlier in the week. Um, it is now, we were at stage D, we are now at stage, back to stage A, which I think people can understand seeing as we're uh, now in a lockdown situation. Um, do you think, uh, this is open to anyone, do you think um, you're going to, uh, we, we just talked we just talked to Dan about uh, keeping people engaged. How are you going to be able to keep people engaged over the next four weeks, knowing that there is zero chance of playing with a ball or, or anything like that for for, you know, for at least a month? I think I think for us for that um, for a sort of a, the natural mastery climate that's sort of been developed within the uh, within the club. Um, I'm hoping that. That continues throughout the lockdown, and we can we can update each other via WhatsApp or via uh, various different meetings, such as Zooms or in Teams meetings, um, of what we're doing and how we're trying to beat ourselves. I think for me, and from discussions with the players on previous lockdowns uh, or the previous lockdown, sorry, was the uh, sort of like the mental mental health of the of the players. So as a, as a club, I feel as if um, we're we're going to support more players, especially those who live alone or those who are uh, maybe having to shield, um, keeping them engaged and ensuring that their mental health is at the right uh right sort of level for him uh, that's going to be one of our big challenges yeah i think that's the most important thing when it comes to it is just making sure everybody's all right through it and like dan said especially people that are living on their own or like you say having to um isolate and stuff like that uh, so we, we spoke about it you know leading up to the lockdown uh, you know uh, our coaching staff are going to set like weekly challenges you know through our various sort of whatsapp groups and stuff just to try and like you say keep the boys engaged uh we spoke about doing quizzes and just just stuff to just really keep the boys engaged more than more than anything jess do you yeah, think you, it, is it a better because we've already been through it once do you think we're all in a slightly better position because we know we, the first time round was a bit of the unknown. Now this time, we've been all been through it. We know how to communicate better and, and, and engage with each other better. Yeah, I think we're aware of the pitfalls that we might encounter, certainly mentally. Um, and I think we can keep in check with people probably a little bit better. Um, I think one of the challenges for me is sort of twofold. One, I just got a bunch of ladies to a taster event on Tuesday mad keen for it really enjoyed the event um and now we've gone into lockdown so i don't want to lose those that we've got i mean there's good news on that front one lady went out and bought a pair of boots after the first taster event session so i, I doubt she's going anywhere um but for us the the key on that side is i want to make sure that we can get that social side that sense of rugby family support for them um during lockdown so that they we can be another a support system another support network for them and keep them going through lockdown and then on the other side of it is i've just got into this coach developer role um so the other opportunity for me is how can i best support coaches through this period and what support can i offer them if they want to learn and develop and upskill themselves but also how can i support them them mentally no, it sounds sounds good. It's going it's going to be tough, but uh, I think you know, you've uh, you've obviously got plans in place now, which is uh, which is really good. Um, just going back on on the rugby roadmap. Uh, obviously, if you if if you haven't seen it, uh, it's socially distanced training with a maximum of two people, uh, no equipment sharing, and you must uh, maintain a social distance. So uh, so no uh, 
no groups of six or anything like that at the moment. Um, so we've got a question in from uh, on on based on, on on that from Chris Vaughan. Um, do you think we'll go back to the start, even though most clubs are all set up for level C and D? And are we comfortable where we're at? I don't think we'll go back to the start. I think um, you know if you've <clears throat> some of the stories in the paper, you know, pre to this happening, the RFU were apparently close to agreeing, sort of <clears throat> what you know, league rugby or whatever, or, or, or former contact was going to look like uh, after, you know, obviously the original date was what, January the 21st, they said. Um, so, no, I don't I don't think we will. I, I, and I, to be honest with you, I don't think we can afford to go back to the beginning because obviously, like, the hard work that's going to be done <clears throat> keeping people engaged is, you know, if you go back and you're back into year six, you, you can't do, you, you can't play touch or anything like that. People are just going to walk away. I think, I think touching on that point a lot, a lot of the uh, uh, sort of players that I know, um, sort of, you know, 38, 39 years old, uh, are started to walk away from the game already um, because they don't see that maybe they're in their last season, the penultimate season, um, and they're, they're walking away. I think, uh, you know, some of the veteran teams may uh, may struggle uh, to return to play unless uh, unless something is something is done. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all got, or certainly from my experience and the coaches I know, we've all got really sort of uh, comfortable and, and familiar with stages C and D. And I think I'd be really happy to just return straight back to to stage D and get stuck in with a bit of touch rugby to get everyone's fitness levels back up and then go into contact. Um, I mean, it's difficult because we're rugby league competing up here. So when rugby league are allowed to do tackles and, and union isn't there's there's a little bit of sense or a little bit of fear from from coaches and clubs well will we lose players to league in the meantime until union goes back um and i and obviously i'm not hugely connected with the men's game at my club yet but i haven't seen immense examples of that in various clubs but i, I think the fear is definitely there i think we have to when we go back we have to offer them something um something for the low numbers obviously because touch rugby does offer predominantly stuff for the high numbers but there's been low number skill advances as well but i do think when you're trying to sell women's rugby to women as a game that celebrates all body shapes and all sizes and all fitness levels and ability contact rugby does that a little bit easier than than touch rugby does so i think the quicker we can get to some form of contact the better yeah Personally, I think we're gonna we'll, we'll get back to C, and then that'll be a couple of weeks, and we'll be straight back into into D, and then in uh, you know, providing everything goes well, I think yeah, I think E and F will come come pretty quickly actually. Um, you know, the, from what I you know I read the same thing in, in the in the Times or the Telegraph this week that you know, the, the deal was almost close to getting the adapted rules version of rugby. Um, it's already been played in the Premier 15s, so there's no scrums. Uh, is it, there's very few scrums and uh, more free kicks and no, uh, not that many more, not much mauling. Uh, I think we're going to get back to that pretty soon, providing everyone does what we're being told to do, um, staying indoors and everything like that. Yeah, I think potentially it could have a long-term knock-on, uh, knock-on effect of the uh, on the game if we're sort of almost 
calling malls quite quickly and we're we're scrapping scrums the game can become a lot more faster than than it is currently and it can become more of a spec uh, more of a spectator sport you know i know people who watch uh, watch football but don't watch rugby because you know because the scrum resets because it's a bit slow and they don't really understand what's going on so it'll be interesting to be interested to see what the long-term knock-on effects are of uh, of this this covid i think the free kick rule uh, that obviously the premier 15s have uh, brought in and they started is something we probably should have done ages ago because like dan said you know you know obviously i'm an ex front rower so the last thing i wanted to be doing is running around for 80 minutes but you know, <laughs> even i'll turn around and say you know the, the scrum has got to a ridiculous place at, at the moment you know especially when you're watching internationals and stuff like that the amount of time it takes up for just a reset just free kick get on with it you know you want to play you know like you say we want we wanted to attract people um and you know unless you're a big lad like me and get excited about scrums you probably just want to play with ball in hand yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? From an outsider perspective, people will probably want to scrap the scrums unless you're a, an out and out front rower like like myself as well. Um, I do come back to that women's rugby argument of where body positivity within this sport is actually really niche within sport. I think we're we're one of the few sports that can say whatever body type there's a place for you in this sport, and we will accept you in this family, and we will empower you and raise you up. Um, and the scrums is a, is a massive part of that. I, I keep coming back to obviously the, the retweaking or the news, new interpretations of the Rook Law and how that's helped massively. Um, and obviously that was a group of people looking at the Rook Law to see what needed to be tweaked or was it a new interpretation that was needed? And I think we sort of need something like that with scrums. Um, I think resets and scrums going down and then resets again and taking an age is... A, it's not on its own isolated to Northern Hemisphere, but it's it's certainly a symptom of, of Northern Hemisphere rugby. Um, I don't remember seeing that much of it when I'm watching Super Rugby um, in the Southern Hemisphere. So I think we, as a Northern Hemisphere, we certainly need to look at how we do scrums and, and can we do them any better. Definitely. Uh, and I don't know if you saw what the leap up scrums at international level. Yes, uh, local le level disagree. Safety is key Sorry. and very few resets. So Lee is the uh, our forward coach at Reading, so I expected okay. that from him. <laughs> 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 Evening, Lee. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh, Heather uh, Hez has a uh, a question. Do you think this season is completely over now? Uh, so when we're back at training, we're prepping for the twenty twenty one season. I'm hopeful that we'll get to play some sort of 15-15 contact friendlies before technically what they call this season is over. So like you say, like in hopefully sort of March, or maybe end of Feb, March, April, we can get a few games in. And then it's, yeah, then it will be like full on to really start the proper league back on in, in uh, the 2021-22 20, season. So that's, that's yeah, what so I that, Let's uh, let's uh, let's 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 deal with that point then. So um, so also so last week the RFU announced that the there was going to be the cancellation of structured league rugby for for the twenty 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 one season. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how well that went down with people, but I, th I think it was actually probably a necessary decision, knowing what yeah, that uh, at least we know now rather than 
trying to drag it out until the new year and then February yeah. and then March and then everything else. Um, so yeah, so I, so league rugby's cancelled, but they haven't said that any rugby has been cancelled. Um, they are looking into ways of uh, playing some sort of league or not league, sorry, uh, some sort of games, whether it's local derbies or, or sort of local leagues, I guess uh, what they said. Um, would that be something, no, is something better than nothing? I think, uh, I think for us, um, the cancellation of the league wasn't wasn't so bad because some of our some of our journeys are 100 120 mile round trip um, because we wow. although we're in a Kent league we play against a, a Sussex team so I think you know the transmission of COVID is probably a, probably a positive thing I think the RFU have looked at that and said some people have got quite a, a long trek some days or, or even a bus journey with uh, you know 30 40 50 people in, in a bus uh, getting boozed up. You know, social distancing isn't going to be be happening. Oh, there. I miss those um, days. Yeah, um, but I, I think it. I, I think I'd like to see um, as we move forwards. I'd like to see maybe a seven season, fifteen season, maybe uh, maybe not in the traditional sort of um, the traditional months, but sevens and fifteens, and then a full fifteen aside season, maybe uh, at a reduced time, ten minutes each way, something like that, so you can have more teams playing against each other from their local clusters potentially, and I think. I think that could be a could be a way forward. Obviously, non-league league based, um, but friendlies, maybe minor tournaments in clusters of five or six six different clubs. That'd be a for, for me. That's what I'd like to like to see see happen. Yeah, I mean, I I I totally agree. I'd really love to see like some local series or local like little cluster leagues set up that are based around friendlies. I also think if we're doing that format now would be the time to be really creative and just have fun with it and see much how much fun we can have in setting up these small leagues. Like imagine if you went down to your local club to watch Saturday rugby and it was contact touch whatever format we come out with it. Um, but it was a local cluster league, but they put in some of some mad rules in. So imagine one of the rules is a low numbers kick. So the coach has to do like 10 press ups or he has to go run to the bar and, and get the the drinks to have outside after like you can have so much fun Proper there. Beer each time, like yeah yeah <laughs> or like each time we score we have to change the rules or something or like each league plays on a giant like monopoly board so each time you play a fixture you move up one and that changes the rules or constraints that you're going to play with i just think it's sort of a it's a free pass to have to have mm -hmm. fun and to see what madness we can create out of the season and just have fun with it it's been a really horrible year not just for rugby, but for all kinds of reasons because of COVID. So surely now is the time to go. We've got a free pass. Let's organise a local little cluster league and, and just have fun with it and see what see what we can do. I think... Yeah, uh, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, go on, Gareth. No, I was just going to say, I think obviously when the, the RFU announced, obviously there wasn't going to be happening anything until uh, January 21st, you know, next year. I think most people were sort of understanding that that meant league rugby wasn't going to happen. Um, I know, obviously, uh, it's rubbish, but, you know, I think it, in the long run, it's probably the best idea because even if they had put in some sort of condensed league, um, you know, if teams had got relegated, teams had got promoted, there would have been, I think, mayhem with people complaining, like, you know, because obviously with people struggling with players and stuff, you might have a team that gets promoted that probably shouldn't get promoted or a team that, gets relegated that probably 
shouldn't be relegated. So I think that's probably the best going forward. And to jump on what Jeff said, you know, hopefully if we do get those that go ahead to play a form of 15s rugby come end of February, March, I said, then I think those ideas are brilliant. Just to get that um, good, fee, good feel factor back for everybody. And also, you know, it drums up some well-needed funds for all the all the all the clubs because you know it is really really difficult um for the for you know community clubs like us to to operate you know without the bar because it's so so important that was uh that was the next point i was going to make if you have if you have these clusters or you have these uh um sort of bubbles of teams or clubs um then if you had a um, a three month um three month season of uh, of friendlies or something then every other week or every every six weeks i suppose it would be if you had six teams or five teams uh you'd be uh, at that club and yeah, you'd be generating funds those bars and you'd, you'd be looking at you know if you had 15 aside and 10 minutes each way then you're you're looking at a lot of players you're looking at hundreds of players yeah. and supporters um who are uh who are putting money behind the bar and afterwards putting money behind the bar also yeah Oh, exactly, exactly, for sure. Uh, would anyone be uh, against playing during the summer? I, I think, I think so. that would be the biggest, uh, biggest issue if she's competing against rugby league. Yeah. Yeah, I would also have um, an issue, obviously, checking with the firmness of the ground if it's contact rugby. Obviously, with that would be something we need to take into consideration. Um, it would be a clash for, for league here for us, um, for sure, but... Um, I, I honestly think people just want to play in whatever format. I mean, I, I would love um, the RFU to push local sevens a little bit more. Um, I don't think that's that's really pushed enough, and I think that's a key area of development, particularly in in the summer that we could we could work on. So I think Gareth, you mentioned like pushing the sevens more alongside the fifteens. Like I'd I'd love to see some some seven stuff in the summer and and for us to encourage sevens as a as a preseason format that's that's pushed as much as fifteens is. No, I think so. I think uh, yeah, the seven season would be would be great, um, especially you know, as 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 you have said, we're all missing the game. Let's let's play some sort. And even if even if you're you, you're not wanting to play sevens. Yeah, let's place it. You know, the ready for rugby game or touch rugby or, or something. Let's you know, we can try and make this a twelve month sport, just in different varied formats. Did any of your clubs have ready for rugby fixtures or planned any ready for rugby fixtures? Yeah, we, we were planning one for uh, the twenty first of November. Um, it obviously, fell through. <laughs> can't, can't yeah, we were the same. We were we were looking at starting to do some. Obviously, uh, a lot of our youth section had started. Uh, doing it and it'd been successful um but yeah we were looking into it so yeah for us the the men's had had a couple of uh ready for rugby fixtures um they just managed i mean they normally used to play on like a thursday night they managed to squeeze in um and change their fixtures to the tuesday so they got one more game before lockdown and i know a couple of the junior teams had had, had some success with it as well um i think I think like a couple of clubs, we were trying to squeeze in a couple of fixtures earlier this week so that at least the juniors and the blokes could have a game before we went into lockdown. I think that was that was really key for, for a lot of people's mental health to get one more run out. Sure, yeah. Mental health seems to be, you know, it's, it's a common common thing in this discussion. that we, We've spoken about it on pretty much every show as well. But, you know, people's mental health may suffer and, and rugby 
you know, with with all all sport, all community sport has now been sort of taken away from them for the next sort of few weeks. It, it's going to be tough. So, you know, look after yourselves. And you know, if anyone wants to chat, then just you know, just DM me, and or you know, we'll uh, we'll have a chat about rugby. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, Has um, I don't think rugby's going to. I think we I think we are going to play some sort of rugby at some point. But uh, I'm all gonna love it. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see as well because the more elite uh, sort of amateur clubs or the semi-pro clubs, um, maybe some of their players who are from further afield might just think, "I'd rather play at my local club." So for grassroots rugby, it might, uh, despite losing the funding of, of bars and various various different other streams of revenue, it might actually be uh, a positive having more experienced players in the club who you know want to help out or want to be involved in something more local. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it, it, it might do that. Um, let's, let's hope so. Hope so. Uh, and Richard uh, Philip says uh, it might it gives uh, the bigger lads longer time to get fit. <laughs> if they were, uh, you, the, the, the big lads uh, at Reading have, have really actually benefited from obviously the you know the touch and everything. You know, because obviously playing at the faster pace, not having to worry about doing too much of the old heavy lifting. So, um, yeah, it's been really good for them. And they've actually enjoyed it, which was uh, a big concern. We thought they'd definitely sort of slink off into the into the dark, just waiting for the contact to come back. Uh, actually, on, on sort of on that, on, uh, from you, Jess, like setting up a, a women's club, has it given you that opportunity to actually teach some uh handling skills uh, and actual game skills before people start taking a uh, contact and being put off for life yeah i mean i it's weird so we've we've done all right at recruiting and then at my previous club we were having some success with the with the training numbers i almost think purely because they're okay so it's not going to please everybody and people do want to hit tackle bags and people do want to hit each other and, and and get out that agginess um particularly over summer uni students who honestly didn't have a clue what they were doing with their timetable and their stress levels were through the roof and they didn't know. So they were just aching for some contact. But often women, particularly if they've joined the game later in life, come with a bit of preconceptions that they're going to walk into a training session and immediately get smashed and walk away with a broken nose, yeah. a broken leg. And that's that's them for life, you know. Um, so I think given the opportunity to sell it as something else that the look this is rfu certified this is what we have to do we can't do contact we'll be focusing on skills and games and social fitness i think it it probably has won a lot more women over to the game and their perceptions of the game has changed i mean our our taster launch event on tuesday um took place on the training pitch and then next to us the the combined sort of ones and twos blokes were playing a game of r for r so I could literally turn around to the ladies and go, we're playing touch rugby here. We went, we took them from rugby netball step-by-step step, up to a game of touch rugby. And I said, we're playing touch rugby here. If you look across, the first and second 15 are playing a very similar game to us. Congratulations, ladies. You've made it from rugby netball to touch rugby, just like the lads are playing all in one session. And I think that really did help their confidence and, and get over some preconceptions about the game. Sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah, I was just going to say, we've had a few uh, people, sort of, as you call them, new people turn up to the club over the last few weeks. 
that have, haven't played rugby for a while, so they might have not played rugby since they were in secondary school or or for whatever reason. And, you know, having to speak to them, they're like, oh, I'm not sure if this was the right time to do it. For me, I think it's the perfect time for them to do it. Because obviously if this was, you know, if we were in the normal league season, if you turned up on a Tuesday, Thursday night, you're obviously you're prepping for whatever games you've got on the weekends. You are, you just throw them in and like, right, we, you, we expect you to be able to do everything. At least now you have that time to 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 uh, do use the um, sorry get on with the core skills you know the, the basics of passing off both hands and stuff like that so I think for anybody that's out there that's sort of umming and ahhing about oh I, I want to come back you know they've had a little bit of taste of the end of the Six Nations then I think it's the perfect time just get back in you can get all your skills done and then obviously once the contact comes it's going to be re introduced like obviously with uh, stage D with the you know the fifteen minute and stuff, so you've got more time to actually coach them through everything. So I think it's the perfect time for people to come back. That's a uh, Reading Rugby yes. Club, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think spot on. I, I mean, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I think obviously if you're in that mindset where it's a training session, you're prepping for a game. It, you can turn a little bit more business-like as a coach, and I don't know yeah. about anybody else, but these enforced stages have really allowed me to make more meaningful connections with the players. Yeah. Um, so we've done, like, mad stuff at the, at the club. I, I just left before I moved. We did themes, so we did, like, a Shrek theme for a couple of weeks where all of the training sessions were around, like, the films of Shrek, and we designed some games and used all of the Shrek lingo and stuff. So two people were, like, Shrek and donkeys, and they had to, like, tag and, and take out the knights and stuff like that. And it just allowed me to have a little bit of freedom because there wasn't the pressure of the upcoming game. And actually we yeah. could just slow down. The players could chat to me. The players could chat to each other and give more meaningful peer-to-peer -peer feedback. And I could chat with everybody else and have more meaningful connections. And it's it's really just allowed me to just get into the flow of actually coaching rather than just managing people. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Plenty of time. Plenty of time and we can have some, you know, really good, you know, we'll call, you know not novices because they might have been when they started, but by the time that a rugby game comes, could, could be some really good players coming through. So it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, I think people should, you know, people should use this as an opportunity to, you know, to grow and, uh, you know, be better because I think it's... It, you know, what an opportunity to, to slow down, rest the body a little bit. And <laughs> my body's battered after, you know, 25 years of playing. I, you know, it's, it's loving the fact that you go to training and then there's no, um, there's no contacts. You, you don't wake up the next day or there's no game on the Saturday and you feel crap for the Sunday. You know, it feels really good and might, you know, might add some years into people's people's rugby playing days which is what we need right now you know we need people playing and staying within the game uh, and you know for the last few years that hasn't happened you know people are dropping out all over the place so if if something you know just easing the pace a little bit slowing down and uh, and using this as a bit of a rest and recuperation period uh, and it you know if that helps keep people in the game then we're all going to be better off for it 100% yeah I agree Right, so also today, the actually no, before we do that, uh, Rugby Store have once again 
helped us out with uh, the show this week, and they have got uh, they've got a great offer actually this week on their website rugbystore.co.uk uh, because it's Remembrance uh, Sunday over uh, this weekend. Um, if you buy a British Army shirt, they're going to give twenty pounds to the Royal British Legion um, for every shirt that's sold. Uh, and you can also get uh, 10% off that shirt when you use the promo code FYBPOD. That is currently going along the ticker at the bottom. So, you know, thanks to Sam and everyone at Rugby Store for, for helping out with the, the show again tonight. And, yeah, um, get 10% off and let's uh, raise a few quid for a great charity in the Royal British Legion. So, so with that done, uh, tonight, uh, this evening or this afternoon, uh, the RFU released their community game update, uh, and a few people asked this uh, on a few uh, posts that we put out during the week: Was rugby allowed in schools? Um, yes, is the answer to that. Uh, they've said that rugby in schools is is allowed as long as it is part of the curriculum. Uh, however, no extracurricular rugby activities are allowed. Uh, Dan, you said you're a teacher. Uh, and rugby is mostly part of uh, what you do. So, how does that affect you? How can that, you know, will that affect um, you know, the grassroots game at, at mini and junior level over the next you know, month or so? I think, uh, I think, firstly, it's a positive that some school or schools can play rugby, but then there's always going to be that dropout of of, uh, of schools that that don't have a rugby program or don't offer uh, rugby in PE or games. And there's, there's going to be those, those students out there probably looking at thousands of students who, who, who aren't experiencing rugby for, for a whole month, and then potentially we're going to lose them to the, um, to, to other sports that return quicker, um, such as maybe football um, or handball or something like that. Um, and does they, anyone play handball? <laughs> it's interesting to see out the, uh, <laughs> It's sort of like the, the, student, the sort of the demographic that we have of students and what sports they play. Um, so we might we might potentially potentially lose lose those, um, especially uh, sort of at big state comprehensives or something like that. Those who are at grammar schools or in the in the private school system, I think they're they're going to be set and they're going to be all right. Um, but those at comprehensives, we might be losing them. Unless well, we're losing them anyway. Sorry. Were we losing them anyway without sort of lack of uh, coaching or facilities or, you know, I went to a, a rugby playing school, mm -hmm. yeah, comprehensive school, but if it wasn't for the fact that the, the, the coach of the, of the, you know, the, the team's, the, the school team was also the coach at Kingston Rugby Club. Yeah. So if, if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't have played it. Yeah, but potentially that uh, the RFU maybe need to look at uh, these different schools like more in depth. And again, with these with these redu redundancies uh, from R RDOs and CRCs, it, potentially it's going to it's going to get worse. So they do need to uh, maybe us as a pl rugby playing community, as volunteers and uh, you know interested and keen dads potentially, um, you know, be be contacting these comprehensives after the lockdown and saying, look, have you got any? any players or any people who are interested in rugby, can we set up a satellite club um, or can they, uh, can they turn up on a Sunday somehow um, and get, get them involved again really quickly? Yeah, massively. I think one of the ways to get into the schools and to make long lasting changes to go through the teachers as well. So how can we as rugby clubs um, 
upskill and and help our teachers learn from the sport because obviously teachers are going to teach what their passion is obviously they've got to cycle through uh, the national curriculum and teach a range of sport but if one teacher is mad for football then the kids are going to really love football because he's conveying that likewise if if one female PE teacher is just mad for netball um, which I don't understand because I, I, I didn't love netball at school I hated it um, but if one teacher loves netball then then she's going to get that passion across so I just think we need to find some way of getting our passion and our knowledge of rugby across to the teachers and make and conveying to them that actually it's quite an easy game to do in schools you can do it in bite-sized chunks you don't have to just go in and do a full-blown session of full contact rugby and then they've done rugby for PE actually you can take elements of the game and take it out and that's really useful in a wider PE environment so I think it's just conveying that I don't want to speak for for PE teachers or somebody that's not involved with the sport. But again, I think it's that preconception of, well, I've done rugby in school and everybody thinks of like full contact, scrums, everything in a PE lesson. And that and that's all you can do. But actually, as I said, you can take elements of the game and make it into a, into a PE environment that's probably better for the kids and better for the school. So I think it's how can we do that? And I think if we, yeah, access to the students, as you said, Dan, is, is great. And I think that's one way of getting kids across into the clubs. But I think the way we develop a long lasting connection with the schools as rugby clubs is, is getting through to the teachers and, and making sure that they have a passion for it. Yeah, we're quite lucky at Reading that a, a few of our senior team are PE teachers at local schools. And we, we have um, some club members that have their own uh, sort of like coaching companies uh, actually go into local schools. Uh, and deliver sessions for the kids and obviously help the teachers and everything. But um, I, I completely agree with what Jess says. We need to, you know, get in those schools and, you know, help as much as we can, because obviously that's that's the lifeblood of the clubs is, the, is the, the, you know, the minis and the junior section, because you want them to work all the way up through to your seniors. And then, like you were saying, Sean, sure, end up going playing vets and just getting, you know, as much out of them as we can. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important that we, we really do sort of, like Jess says, look at ways that we can support schools. Yeah, I think that's going to be, I think we'll do a, another one of these on the, on the recruitment of uh, minis and juniors from schools uh, in the next few weeks, I think. I think that's, I think that's a really good topic and I think uh, uh, there's lots of, you know, we can use it as a big uh, ideas hub and you know, melting pot of ideas for um to help everyone else out so i think uh, yeah i think we'll do that in a few weeks time uh, i don't want to take up too much more of your time um but i am going to ask uh each of you what uh one one hope and one fear that you've got for rugby at you know at our level uh post this this december lockdown i will start with you gareth if, if <laughs> one hope and one uh, and one fear I think probably the the biggest fear I have is that when rugby comes back, that it's not rugby union, that it's turned into, you know, essentially rugby league. Uh, something like that. You know, we play rugby union for the specific reasons of, you know, the, the proper contact, the scrummy in the morning, everything like that. So that's my biggest fear, obviously, along with losing players. Um, my biggest hope is that, we just get back playing and as quickly as possible that's that's all that's all you can hope with because i think once once we give them that green light 
everything will be okay because everyone will just just jump on board and be like, yes, we're back now. And then I think we'll be able to sort of build and 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 look behind on what's everything's happened and going forward. Actually, learn from it as well. Yeah, Jess, one hope and one fear. Yeah, I I mean I do share Gareth's fear. Um, it's it's front row union in here, so I think we've that's that's the fear we share. Um, but I think my main fear at the moment is how quickly we're actually able to get out of this lockdown so that rugby can resume. Um, I think the furlough schemes today has been announced that it's extended till March, which has obviously yeah. put a fear in the back of my mind that we might be in lockdown for a little bit longer um, than early December. And therefore what potential ramifications does that have for the game and, and community sports as a whole? And indeed, you know, the the clubs and, and how can we best support sports clubs through this, through this time? But I think my biggest hope when we return is that coaches, clubs and players see this as an opportunity now, as a free pass to be as creative as they possibly want to be. Um, you, you go mad. We don't have to stick to the set league structure. Um, go mad, set things up with your, your local clubs. What can you do as a coach that's really creative and, and wacky and just see it as a free pass for the rest of the season to just appear completely bonkers from, from an outside perspective, but do something really meaningful. 100%. Uh, and finally, Dan, one yeah. hope and one fear. My biggest hope is that there's some rugby this season. Uh, as long as, again, as Gareth and Jess said, um, as long as we get back to um, something that looks like rugby union, I'm not not too fussed and at the moment as to what that looks like. Um, but my biggest uh, biggest worry is when we do eventually uh, return to uh, to playing full time, fifteen aside, is the uh, the amount of injuries at uh, at gar grassroots level that we may may find. Um, because if you ever look at after our first lockdown, if you look at Premiership football, the amount of I think it was the Chelsea Arsenal game, the amount of uh, players who were injured and they're professionals. Um, the amount of players that were injured in the first 20, 25, 30 minutes uh, was unbelievable. So you know, having this elongated time out of rugby, our bodies are not going to be used to it. We're not going to have the old iron bodies anymore. Um, and it's going to be, the first games are going to be brutal because everybody's either going to be fitter or fatter than they were previously. <laughs> um, and, you know, those the, the first the first hits are going to be absolutely brutal. I was talking to one of our scrum halves, Jamie, who's actually been commenting all the way through. Um uh, and he said that as a as a short guy, um, he's he's a bit worried about about these big hits as people are putting on weight or getting fitter. So um, that's probably my biggest worry. He's just worried someone's going to mess his hair up. He doesn't have any. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Uh, on that note, uh, what a perfect note to end on. Uh, Gareth, Jess, Dan, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Uh, thank you all for putting comments and questions and there, there's some strange ones so but something about playing rugby against uh a horse what was it let's have a look would yeah, you rather play rugby against a one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses that's the game we're talking about yeah that's right yeah and we'll uh, we'll leave that to you to figure out but um they had the, I yeah think, wasn't that a question about manu the, the england boys were asked that question I'm, <laughs> I'm sure i saw it somewhere saying about yeah <laughs> <laughs> or size man wow. or like a duck or a hundred duck size manus or something like that. I, I, yeah, I think I, I think I remember. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, hey, look, everyone, stay safe. You too. Stay. Uh, 
stay safe, stay engaged in the sport. You know, we'll we'll try and do some fun things over the next four weeks to keep people entertained and engaged in in rugby. And you know, thank you all for for your you know efforts. And obviously, we've got we've got things being posted every day. Uh, the one-liners from uh, about why your clubs are, are so special, uh, which are going out. I think I've got about 200 more to go through, which is just you know incredible. If we can keep you know grassroots rugby at the forefront of people's uh, people's minds, then um, hopefully when we do get back, we'll uh, we'll be in a much better, stronger position. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, you know, thank you, Gareth, Jess, Dan, everyone sure. for watching, everyone for listening. Watch on YouTube again. Uh, it's will be a podcast again uh, Friday morning. So, you know, leave nice reviews and, and subscribe and listen. And, you know, we're currently the 48th uh, most listened to rugby podcast in the UK. So let's, you know, let's try and get into the top 45. So, um, yeah. Uh, and again, thanks to Rugby Store. 10% off FYB pod. Thank you, everybody. Cheers. No Thank you. Take care. Cheers, mate. Huge thanks again to Gareth, Jess and Dan for joining me this evening. And thanks again to Rugby Store for supporting our show. Get 10% off anything at rugbystore.co.uk when you use the promo code FYBPOD. And for more information on Philly Boots, please visit fybrugby.com. Join myself, Sean Phelan, next week for another great episode of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable.